so from your talks with people uh, from your career how do you imagine future well it depends on what we uh, define uh, how we define future but uh, how do you define a future well i tend to um, like i said i tend to vision envision the future that i would like to see mm-hmm. um some people say that we need to consider uh, real dystopias as well, but um, and uh, of course it, it might be might be productive to do that because you know where you don't want to go. Um, but I I see us moving towards uh, you know an electrified, sustainable society where uh, industries are more circular, even regenerative, where the food system has healed. Um, where there's an abundant uh, abundance of uh, clean energy, uh, where people can live longer, healthier lives, um, hopefully happier, more productive, more creative, um, more passionate, empathetic, um, more inclusive, less polarized. You know. Um, I have to believe that such a, a future can exist. Mm. And I have to believe that we all can work towards something like that. Because mm. I don't think many people will, would say that I don't want that future. No, it's like a dream scenario, no? Everyone is happy, everyone is <laughs> yeah, feeling of course. good, planet no, I don't, is doing uh, good. I have to uh, maybe point out that I don't necessarily believe in utopias, but I think it's good to imagine what a utopia would look like. Well, what do I want? Mm. What do we want uh, for our future? And uh, maybe you can uh, backtrace from that or backcast. How like, do we achieve this? Yeah, what, what kind of stepping stones? Or what what short term goals can we can we set up in order to reach a long term goal? Mm. Um, and I think. <clears throat> I think this uh, kind of visionary thinking or um, um, imaginary um, is often lacking from the the political discussion. There's a lot of here and now problems. Mm-hmm. Like we need to tackle gang violence, so we hire more cops. Mm-hmm when evidence suggests that that's not really the solution, the solution mm. to the problem, just a band-aid. So uh, I rarely hear politicians talking about what they want, what kind of future do they see. Uh, maybe it's not so different from, from the different uh, political perspectives after all. Mm. I don't think anyone says, I want to see a... A future where <clears throat> fossil fuel is uh, still predominant after hundred years, and uh, we have a polarized society where people hate each other, and um, everything is a competition. I think we've been already been through that, and we mm. sort of uh, realized that that's not the way to go. We have we have. Um, moved to the top of the mountain uh when it comes to humanity we are at a 
great place in many ways, but we need to continue with uh, the planet in mind, obviously, ecosystems, while in improving uh, human lives as well. And I think that's, uh, that's not a contradiction at all. Mm. I think it goes well hand in hand. Yeah. But this is, this is like the future that you believe in. But based on what you hear from your guests, are we heading toward this future or what are the challenges that we are facing? Um, <clears throat> I know it's like it's a very big question, but maybe you can take some of the industries and, and tell us maybe like here, this is the challenge when it comes to food, when it comes to tech, when it comes to mobility. Yeah, I, th I think um, from from what I gather from my guests, um, mm. I believe everyone wants to move towards a future like this. Yeah, and I think in many ways we are moving, moving. in the right direction, even if it seems uh, to move slowly in a way, uh, or in, in many areas. Um, but I think sometimes people um, people are thinking a lot about the future. They are. Uh, quite restless because they know that things could go move faster. Mm. That's what I realized when I talked to futurists in the beginning. Like, I thought they would. I thought they were going to be more optimistic about the world. Okay, but they were like, since they are since they've been talking and thinking about the future so much, they realized that, well, the systems we have now mm. are not optimal. Okay. Um, food system, political system, healthcare system, transportation. Um, it's great. It's it's like um, um, it's like you sometimes say about liberal democracy that it's it's the less um, less bad or it's <laughs> the least bad system we mm -hmm. can come up with at the moment. Um, but there's so many opportunities moving ahead, and of course the the main um, obstacles or uh, challenges are, of course, climate change. That would put an, an enormous strain on on societies, on cities. Um, from what you hear from your guests, are we going to do something or no? We are heading toward like a planet that is destroyed by us. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't use the word destroyed. I, but I think we have to admit that it's already happening. Exactly. So we have to still mitigate and reduce uh, emissions, everything like that. But we also have to build resilience in our societies and in our cities so that we are prepared when um, the consequences of climate change are more apparent. Mm. Like I saw the other day from Tokyo where they're building huge underground tunnels so that they won't be affected by flooding. Um, I don't know if they ever have been affected by flooding, but they are sort of taking precautions. And that's what I think we should introduce in every aspect that we do. Mm. Um, think of how can we reduce and re work sustainably, but also accepting that things are going to change and we have to adapt to that. Mm. So like are, when you talk with experts, are we going to fail? And saving the uh, and and like uh, with this uh, one point five degree. 
or they say no it's going to be good we're gonna survive we're gonna we're gonna make it um the people i talk to um are more optimistic uh <laughs> they believe that we can actually solve this mm. um if it's 1.5 or 2 i have no idea yeah. um i think think things take time uh we can't just you know shut down all fossil fuel production now um it it's not you know possible mm -hmm. um there has to be a transition period and the transition period may be not only the 2020s it could be also 2030s 2040s it's it's not a it's not a finish line i mean many people get sort of um uh stuck with the notion that 2030 development goals uh 1.5 like we have strict deadlines mm -hmm. i don't really see it that way i see that there will be probably catastrophic consequences in some areas of the world uh, but we will still move in the right direction as a as a whole mm -hmm. So you see, climate as a, climate change is a is a big challenge. What are like some main other challenges that we have to face? <clears throat> well, of course, the the most dangerous thing right now is probably geopolitical tensions, um, and it's apparent that uh, these uh, relationships can be very easily uh, triggered by mm. single actions from one person. Uh, I'm talking now about, for example, Turkey and uh, NATO and Sweden, Finland. Uh, it's very fragile. Uh, U.S., China, very fragile. But I still, I hope that we have such a, a strong um, fundament to build upon that nobody will have an interest in going to war with the other country. Mm. But we thought about we thought like that about Russia as well. So, yeah, exactly. I don't know, but yeah, um, global collaboration is definitely one of the most important things. Mm. Um, and it all—I mean—that trickles down to polarization, uh, xenophobia, um, right or wrong, uh, red and blue. I think. Uh, that kind of binary thinking, black and white, is um, is not very constructive. I think that's why I also see it as a, a mission to provide more perspectives and more nuances to the palette because uh, we can't just, I mean, basically any topic. You can't say that this is right, this is wrong. Because someone would always say, well, science suggests that this is actually... Mm -hmm. And maybe there's a middle way in all of these instances. Mm. And I think, um, I think uh, for me, a lot of it comes down to people losing hope in the future. So that's also a very important mission for me to provide examples of solutions. Mm -hmm. and visionary thinking so that people can have slightly more hope about the future so they can feel more optimistic about doing stuff mm. um 
because the whole rhetoric of like, the world is going to end anyway. Like, no, it, it won't. It's like what media is uh, selling, like, eh, it's pandemic, now it's war, uh, inflation. Yeah, inflation. Yeah. Like, Electricity bills. Uh-huh. Yeah, like the the future is dark, no? Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's always been like that in a way, but the negativity uh, and the fear uh, from the news media has increased dramatically over time, while we at the same time are bombarded with the messages and push notifications and uh, Twitter. So naturally, if we marinate our brain in this, in this uh, toxic slush for five, six, seven hours each day, of course we're going to think the world is dangerous and uh, dark and that there's basically no future at all. Mm. My life is great, but I see, from what I hear, uh, it's, it's, it's all going to hell. Mm-hmm. How can we rethink uh, the future? Like, how can we be more positive? Any advice instead of just listening to media and uh, believing in is that the end is near? Just make a conscious action in limiting the news feed and uh, balancing it with um, other types of sources and insights um, and see how it feels. Mm. I think that was uh, revelatory for me when I realized I don't have to read uh, the newspaper every morning. I only get depressed. It takes time. I get stressed because I didn't get to finish it. I was like, what if I just don't <laughs> read it at all? I don't I stop subscribing to it. Spend more time with my kids. You know? mm. I don't have to know everything. What's happened yesterday. I don't know. Um, I think we should have, we, I mean, I think it's beneficial for everyone to take a step back and see a bigger picture. Mm. Um, is this really a trend or is it just something that happened to happen twice in a month? Mm. Is the size, is it society more violent or is it just in some um, particular groups or areas? Is it dangerous? To go outside at night, or is it in fact far less dangerous than it used to be? I think we should question those narratives and uh, put less emphasis on on uh, dramatic um, occurrences, mm. because the news is the most dramatic things that have happened in the past twenty-four hours the worst stuff <laughs> and it's when we become more more global and connected mm. we get the worst stuff from the past hour yeah from each country all the time yeah and i don't know what to do with it now you become more like negative and and afraid of future and, and the way you think is more like you want just to stay in your box and you don't want to do anything yeah i think so yeah so I think, uh, especially for for young people, um, I believe that we have to we have to teach them to to see 
how to see the uh, incredible amount of solutions and uh, companies out there that are doing things right now and uh, working towards a better future. Um, so that's why I really like uh, giving talks to schools. Um, I've done just one high school, uh, a couple of uh, universities, but um, yeah, that's I think that's really rewarding. It's really important. Yeah, and you you mentioned that one of your missions here in life is to to share other solutions in your podcast to show that the future is not so dark as how we maybe feel or believe in it and so on. Can you share with me like some of interesting solution you you heard about from your talks with people like or progress that we are doing, let's say in food or I don't know other. I think I think every every small solution or invention or startup is uh, is a piece of the puzzle. Um, right now, a lot has to do with energy, of course, um, making the society more energy efficient. Um, more decentralized in a way, more renewable. So all those solutions, I think, are really important tools in the toolbox. Um, when it comes to AI, I think we've only been, you know, scratching the surface of what we can achieve by um, uh, creating more efficient transportation. Um, when we talk about smart cities, like how we can automate um, stuff like air quality, food quality, um, urban farming, um, preventing gas leaks, fires, everything would be. And, and that's why the convergence of technologies are so interesting. Like uh, We have all this big data. We have AI that can thrive from big data. We have uh, blockchain technologies that can... Uh, create trust. Um, we have three D printing. Um, we have um, VR and AR that can provide new layers of information. Um, Internet of Things that can provide us with with the data that we need for the whole ecosystem. So that's why I think it's really cool if you see if you back out and see. Uh, how the technologies affect each other mm. and how the different startups and companies um, can fit into that uh, sort of puzzle or that ecosystem. Um, so I, I have a difficult time, as you, as you can tell, I have a difficult time highlighting one or two. I understand. But I think it's, it's very rewarding to see uh, how it all fits together and that, that everyone is sort of moving in the same direction. Mm. Mm. So there are things happening. There are solutions coming, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. They might not be a silver bullet solution, a panacea. But together. A to everything. Mm. Yeah, that, that's, um, that's why I think it's important to keep in mind. Uh, every time you share something about a new climate solution, mm. some guy will say, well, do you know how expensive that is? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like... like the same with the yeah, with the whole new new innovation. Like, oh, it's so expensive, we cannot afford it. Everything was expensive in the beginning. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. So, I mean, solar power is the most cheap um, technology. Yeah, um, energy production. For exactly, technology. Yeah, yeah. That's true. But is, is, like, do you see there are a lot of like 
tech-related innovation or more like, let's say, um, basic, old-school, no-tech solutions? I think everything... Um, everything will need technology uh, in one way or another. Um, even if it's just about connecting people or uh, uh, providing you with a better or suited therapist or um, providing you with better uh, data from uh, uh, the food you're buying in the store, we cannot, um, we cannot work without technology. So um, <clears throat> hopefully um, all these um, tech buzzwords will dissolve mm -hmm. after a while mm -hmm. because everything is tech. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think that uh, urban planners should stop doing when they plan, when, or when we, because I'm also an urban planner, when we plan uh, future cities? Mm. Stop doing. I think we should stop um, planning too much. <laughs> what do you mean? I think if, if, um, if urban development is too detailed, like, yeah, I know exactly what's going to be everywhere. Mm. Then you're not creating room or uh, space for um, um, the human uh, creativity to, to thrive. I think we see that those examples when you build um, new city areas from scratch, it takes a lot of time before it becomes a, a vivid place. Um, or livable. Mm. Yeah. And you sort of, oh, we forgot that uh, people should maybe do something during nighttime mm -hmm. when all the offices are closed. It's just a dark, uh, empty square. Mm. Um, so plan for all, all the different um, times and seasons, of course. Um, and of course, and I, I think, yeah, I think less detail, more flexibility, adaptability, mm -hmm. resilience. I mean, we also have to plan for a much older um, community. Because mm. I've, I've been really interested in, in, uh, in the demographics lately, and uh, it's kind of fascinating to see how few children we are making okay. today. In Sweden? In many of, in most of the uh, Western countries. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Um, I would say most industrialized nations are around a replacement rate or below. Mm. Singapore, uh, they have one child uh, per woman, and the replacement rate is 2.1. What, what does it mean, replacement rate? Um, <clears throat> well, for two people, uh, they need two kids. Um, I had to take their point, okay. point one okay. because some shit happens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, if you have 2.1, mm. the uh, population will uh, stay stable mm. over time. Mm. Um, but many, most countries are, are dropping below that, ah. which, means, which means that uh, they will have an older population and uh, they will eventually decline. Mm. Uh, so when people talk about the population explosion and uh, we're going to be too many people on Earth, that's mainly sub-Saharan Africa. Mm where people still are having five, six kids in, in many countries. Yeah. So if you want to 
stop the population explosion. Mm. It's about helping out in sub-Saharan Africa to provide more education, healthcare, uh, sanitation, etc. Mm. Um, because most people, when once they get more developed and educated and um, healthy, they do not want five or six kids. They want two. Mm. And in Western countries, they don't even want two. I mean, <laughs> Italy and Spain yeah. are, are declining, South Korea, mm. um, China is having a problem. And at the same time, we live longer than ever. Yeah. So there will be huge amounts of really, really old people. Yeah. And very few kids. Mm. Which, uh, I mean, is an interesting challenge for urban planners. I think. Yeah, yeah. Before we continue, I have a question. Do you believe that, okay, the machine and AI will take uh, our jobs? So now we are fine if we are not uh, being so ma so many in a population. I mean, like, or no, you don't believe in this very super futuristic ideas that, oh, the machine and AI will replace us. So we don't need to work. Is it something that's going to happen, like, within the 10 years? And Well, as, as we see now with the... the um generative AI uh, with, from OpenAI and MidJourney and all those uh, actors. Um, we were really uh, taken by surprise, many of us, that even creative works and um, um, stuff that we thought was very difficult to replicate for an AI was in fact quite easy. Mm -hmm. So for me, as a content producer, copywriter, mm. um, sure, I will, I will definitely lose out to AI uh, when it comes to generic corporate text, yeah. which is why I think that I see it as a challenge. I need to find my own personality even more. And creativity. Yeah, and use my personal DNA in my texts mm. so that they're non-replicable. Um, but yeah, people are going to, struggle with this of course artists are upset uh, illustrators photographers uh. um, even movies will soon be able to be created from from prompts wow um so i think we will find lots of new jobs mm. thanks to ai but it will also be a a perhaps difficult time for many people when they lose their jobs. Mm. I mean, the best case scenario is that if we don't lose jobs, we lose tasks. Yeah. Like, I don't have to do the bookkeeping in the same way I did, used to mm. because the AI can sort it for me. Um, the sustainability report is 10 times faster because we have the data and uh, AI can package. create a package around yeah. it. Yeah. Um, sort of time-consuming, mundane tasks, mm. uh, processes, administration, um, this, the kind of content that just took time but wasn't really yeah. adding super value. Mm. Um, all those tasks will become much, much faster now. Mm. Mm. Um, will people lose their jobs? Well, some people, probably. If, the, if you're not, if you don't have 
<laughs> your uh, uh, DNA or mm. your uh, mm. uh, value creation abilities, maybe you are uh, you are more prone to lose your job. Yeah. So back to cities. What are the 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 things that we should think about when we plan cities? Or yeah. Things maybe we should stop to things we should start to, as you mentioned, like think about the uh, different groups, uh, seniors as well when you plan cities. Yeah, exactly. Um, older population. Yeah. Um, more resilience towards uh, climate change, uh, flooding, drought. Um, also, um, heat is a huge topic now. I know in in urban planning, how can you create. Uh, city areas where we can mitigate uh, the negative consequences from heat mm. uh, and um, i think using nature uh, more uh, more greenery more trees inside the city centers are is probably a very quick quick fix for that mm. because it absorbs uh, heat it gives uh, shade uh, it um, it's a coal sink as well um we should focus more on biodiversity and um um i mean i don't think that beehives and tree gardens should be uh some sort of um fun project on the side i think they should be implemented mm. um in a much more aggressive way because it's uh such an amazing thing to be able to do uh combined with solar panels um vertical farming there are so many things that we can add to our cities um, if we manage to uh, get rid of uh, the cars more. Mm. <laughs> so uh, build cities for humans, mm. uh, not the cars. Yeah, I think that's a that's probably a, the challenge for everyone right now, right? Yeah. Like, how fast will the transition be? How many cars do we actually need? Do we need? people driving around in Stockholm um, when there are much, much more convenient ways to get across. Mm. Um, maybe we only need um, service and um, delivery vehicles. And those can be automated or mm. self-driving and uh, electrical. So I don't think maybe <clears throat> I don't think we anytime soon will see uh, huge fleets of um, um automated vehicles or self-driving vehicles autonomous vehicles sorry um with people just relaxing because i think the cultural and legislative challenges are so big um but in uh, deliveries and um, other services definitely mm. so how do we build cities around that future so more human centered more green more electrified use the power of sensors and internet of things to automate processes behind the scenes um yeah and i think i think cities are so amazing and so interesting because it's such a is such an efficient use of resources if you do it well. Mm. You can't say that oh everyone should live in the countryside and all uh, you know grow their own food because that would be 
unsustainable mm-hmm. if everyone did that. Yeah. Now. So, um, and also think that cities and municipalities can move faster than nations or blocks because they can say like, we don't, we can't wait for the legislation to change. We can move faster Mm. because we want to, we want to be the most sustainable Mm. city in our area. And that can be benchmarked to other cities in the world and those kind of of collaborations between mayors and municipalities. I think that's really, really powerful. Yeah. What makes you sad in your city? Was um, homelessness, of course, that we have all these um, amazing opportunities and privileges and we still can't fix homelessness. Uh, And um, of course, um, lack of integration, inequality is saddening. Uh, the housing market in, in Stockholm is very saddening. <laughs> mm. uh, as a young person, it's almost impossible to buy and it's impossible to rent. So what do you do? You rent secondhand and s- suddenly you're in your 30s. Of, mm. I have friends now in the 40s renting a, a two-bedroom apartment in second secondhand. Yeah. Um, so that's needs, that needs to change. Maybe also need the, that sector needs more flexibility. Um, I get sad when new projects get appealed all the time. Mm-hmm. So it takes uh, several years more than it should. Mm, yeah. That, that must be a, a frustration in your job. It's always like the, we say like, okay, it's to 2030 and suddenly, oh, we have some problems. Okay, 2050. Mm. You know, and it's it's probably a, a nice democratic um, function that you can that you can actually a- appeal something mm. and uh, question it. Yeah, but maybe we should get rid of that before we start the project or before we decide on something, because now it's like yeah, it's decided. It's going to be a tunnel here, mm. and then a year later, no, someone appealed, so <laughs> we have to wait six more months. And then, no, it got turned down. Like, why don't just make a decision and go for it? Mm. Sometimes I would like that. Mm. Um, what else? What do I get sad about? I get sad when I see dead areas in the cities where, you know, there's such potential, but no one has been doing anything. It's just like, um, just a miscalculation. Mm-hmm. in the planning process like why is this just a, a dark square somewhere i mean uh, for example next to the central station in stockholm like why why is nothing happening here mm. um it's just a breeding ground for for shady people to to hang around mm. instead of you know producing a beautiful fountain or garden or mm-hmm. market or something yeah so, um, but what I, but what I love about cities is not perfect planning. I mean, obviously I've been living in Singapore. Um, that's a bit too planned for my taste. And then you see, you have Bangkok, which is very chaotic. 
So my favorite city is actually the one in the middle, uh, Kuala Lumpur. Mm. I think that's a, a beautiful a combination of um, progress and uh, chaos. Yeah. But all the different religions and mm. food stalls, uh, huge shopping centers, skyscrapers, uh, a guy on the street mm. doing uh, fried rice. Um, I think that atmosphere is... Uh, yeah. More like the so, liv- livable atmosphere from a different scale, people. Yeah. And, um, you know, in Sweden, it would be like, do you really have permission to sell fried rice on the street? You know, it would take a year to get the permission and it would cost money. No one could be bothered to do no. it. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. So, I, so yeah. I, I think I would like to see more a more flexible and open uh, regu- regulatory framework yeah. Yeah. for people to be able to do stuff like food trucks. It was too complicated, mm. the process, the cost. So eventually, I mean, seven out of ten food trucks just disappeared because yeah, they don't they want more headache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting reflections, and uh, I will take it with me as well. The listeners also. I'm very happy that you're sharing it uh, with us. 